FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. What's happening, Memphis Grizzlies fans? We are back for the first off-season edition of the Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined by DeMichael Cole, our Memphis Grizzlies beat writer. It's been a minute since we joined you, since the uh, Grizzlies uh, lost that playoff series to the Golden State Warriors. Um, since then, we've seen the Warriors win an NBA title. The Warriors uh, get into a back and forth with the Grizzlies, confirming that indeed uh, this is uh, very much a burgeoning rivalry in the NBA. Um, and we have had the NBA draft. And then free agency is right around the corner. So a lot uh, to catch up on and to look ahead uh, about uh, here. I, I, we're going to start with the draft, move into free agency, talk, you know, look, look behind and then look ahead is how we're going to map this podcast out. The Michael, let's start here, though. We just we are coming off the NBA draft on the heels of the end of the season. Um, the Grizzlies, many thought could potentially have a pretty quiet draft night. Maybe you know they had three picks going in. There was some thought that they would try to consolidate those. And then when push came to shove, it was actually a very active night for the Grizzlies. They end up with four picks um, led by uh, Jake LaRavia of Wake Forest at number 22. No, excuse me, at number 18. They moved up. And then at number 23, they moved up again to select David Roddy of Colorado State. Then they move up again in the second round to pick number 38 uh, to take Kennedy Chandler, the Tennessee point guard uh, from right here in Memphis, who was falling down draft boards. And then at the very end, um, I'm blanking on his name, Williams. What's yep. his first name? Yep. Um, but uh, so four picks. What do you make of that? That we went in thinking, oh, they're probably they're not going to want to have this many rookies on the team when they had three picks, and then here we are, they end up with four at the end of the night. Right, right. It was it was interesting. I mean, Mark, because like you said, it's for the most part. I I thought that okay, this is a this roster is the second youngest roster in the NBA. Now they're about to turn the leaf where. They bring all these guys back for the most part, and you just add those couple veteran pieces, and you don't have to rely on the draft anymore. Like, you know, a lot of the development is there. You probably draft one player, maybe two, you know, but it's just not a lot of room, you know, I thought. But, I mean, the way they did it was interesting. For one, they traded away DeAnthony Melton. So yeah, forgot to mention saw, that. Yeah, we saw them actually, you know, uh, let go of, you know, a guy who was, you know, part of the rotation in order for this to happen. And the picks, I think, for the most part, the best way to describe them is is they're just like plug-in guys, you know? I don't think anyone is expecting these guys to average, you know, 22 points and, you know, five rebounds, five assists, and, like, become future All-Stars. But I, I feel like the general thought is these are the perfect type guys you want to put around Ja, uh, Jaron, and Desmond Bain. So, and, and I think if you look at it that way, uh, they did really good. 
in terms of getting those guys who can play off of those guys, who can create these different, you know, type of lineups. I know Taylor Jenkins was talking about, you know, just the amount of options he'll have from a lineup perspective. I mean, he even mentioned David Roddy. You know, we saw he's like 6'5", 255, 260, uh, playing some small ball five, like just being real creative uh, with the ideas. But, but yeah, Mark, it definitely, you know, creates an intriguing – uh, point in terms of how they approach free agency and all of that because we I didn't see them adding uh, four rookies. Uh, I'm sure Vince Williams will probably be two way. We'll see if Kennedy uh, spends a lot of his time on the main roster. I think you know having three point guards uh, on your main roster is is usually a pretty you know is a pretty good way of going about your roster. But but we'll see how that plays out as well. But I, I mean four rookies. I almost feel it's kind of surprised me. Even when they moved up to get Chandler, I still assumed they weren't going to draft at 47, but here we are. Yeah, well, and I find Kennedy Chandler to be really interesting in the sense that it's clear they identified LaRavia and Roddy as players they really liked. For they sure. were not, I don't think they expected, and they said as much, expected to be drafting Kennedy Chandler where they did. Um, and I am curious, I asked at the intro press conference, you know, is there thought or hope that Kennedy mm-hmm. can be the backup point guard right away? Um, I tend to side with you that like, he's probably, you know, you might want to carry three point guards initially because he's might not be ready for that, but it does present, it does, it does put a wild card in there, if you will, in terms of how they proceed here, moving forward in free agency with Tyus Jones in the sense that, you know, they don't have to bring back Tyus Jones. I think they probably want to at the right price, or not, maybe not even right price, the right term. Um, but at the same time, if that if that market gets too rich for their blood, there is a possibility Kennedy Chandler, who they seem to indicate they viewed as a first-round talent, uh, there is a, you know— it's not the most far-fetched thing in the world to think, well, here's a guy who could fill this role, and then they can go fill a different role in free agency, potentially. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And and I think, you know, just with Kennedy Chandler in particular, sort of talking about uh, him, I feel like, you know, the Grizzlies didn't have three point guards on their main roster last year, but I, I think that was more of an anomaly. Like, uh, a lot of teams in NBA carry three point guards. The Grizzlies carry Ja. Tyus, and then you saw John Conchar, Desmond Bain, uh, DeAnthony Melton, just a bunch of guys. Yeah, e- exactly. A bunch of different guys kind of ended up getting some some backup point guard minutes uh, throughout the season. And and you know, I think Desmond Bain was probably the one guy of that um, group that I just mentioned who actually you know played well enough where the drop off wasn't very noticeable. But it was, you know, it still was a weird situation that they were in. Now, if you carry, if you bring out Kennedy, uh, I don't think a third point guard is a terrible role, you know, for a, a, a rookie, you know, in his situation. I think it's almost kind of, you know, a perfect case scenario. Be on a competitive team. Uh, he can be a third point guard. And I, I have a story. I mean, let's be real, though. Third point guard isn't playing. A third yeah. point guard is not in the rotation. Yeah, he's not he's he's not going to be in a rotation a lot. Yeah. But I mean, there there're going to be minutes there from time to time, maybe a spark plug type thing, but yeah, like you said, there's no consistent uh minutes there for that third guy. And I think I mean, it's an ideal situation, you know, for him his rookie year because uh I, I did a story that's that's uh going to be on commercial appeal 
Uh.com about the other free agent point guard options out there. And I feel like from a backup point guard perspective, Mark, this is about as deep uh, as a backup point guard market as you're going to get in free agency. I mean, there are like five guys who have starting experience and who have been really good. Uh, Ricky Rudio, uh, Dennis Schroeder, uh, DeLon Wright, who Memphis fans are, are familiar with. Uh, Ray John Rondo is another one. Goran Dragic. I mean, all of those guys, I feel like, are pretty decent options in some way, shape, or form. You know, DeLon Wright, maybe for the size, being a 6'5 guy, you can play him on the ball, you can play him off the ball. Now you're talking, oh, you can put in Kennedy in the second unit, and you can put DeLon Wright off the ball, and you can kind of mix and match him with Ja and all of that. And then those other guys are just vets. You know, Ray John Rondo, uh, I just mentioned Goran Dragic. I mean, two years ago, he was averaging 13 points a game. And Dennis Schroeder, six-man-of-the-year candidate two two years ago. He was one of the top six-man-of-the-year uh, candidates in the NBA. So some good options out there who probably are going to be cheaper than Tyus Jones. And all this is assuming, you know, Tyus Jones doesn't retire. But I think that's still a realistic option as well, Mark. Yeah. No, and I, it, it, as we talk about the draft, and we'll look at the free agency in a second, I, I do think – I did find this interesting in that this draft seemed to – you know, like there's a debate out there and, and I'm willing to get, you know, Zach Kleiman, the NBA executive of the year. So like what I think is good value in a draft day trade, like I'm willing to like I'm willing to to see how it plays out, even if I don't agree. Like even if I thought like, you know, man, giving up Melton and a first round pick to 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 take to move up in the draft to take a player who, you know, the mock drafts view to you're probably picking a little high in David Roddy, um, you know, that seems like not the greatest deal. Um, however, like these got, you know, they, their formula has been so successful in the draft. And I think what you see in this, this one, it's like, I think more people than ever are kind of just like, well, let's see how this plays out. Cause these guys seem to know, know the draft. Um, they've, they've hit so many different times, um, in the past couple years, um, but I am interested to see how this plays out because very, you know, it does feel like the two first round picks in particular, Laravia and Roddy, were players, you know, not every team in the NBA would have taken at the place Memphis did. You know, like Memphis really just said, we want these guys and we don't care what number we're picking them at, or if if this, you know, if we could take a chance and maybe get them later. Like we like these guys so much. We're just going to go and grab them. Even if, you know, other teams may not be projecting them this high. Right. It, it, Mark, I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, this was my first time experiencing a climbing draft, um, you know, up this close. I saw, you know, everything else from afar the last couple years, but experiencing it up close. So when the picks were coming in, I'm used to like in, in, in Philly when I was at the Enquirer, each pick is, you know, heavily criticized and, and things like that. And people are like, oh, if this doesn't work, this will happen. But Mark, I kind of got the feeling it was like, we don't know these guys, but hey, climbing hasn't missed yet. So I will like it, it was a different feeling. Like I haven't really seen that before. Like the yeah. people fan base has so much trust in this guy. Like he can go draft like some completely unknown D3 guy and, and and the people will be like, well, hey, Climate thinks he's good. So so we'll see you know, how it plays out. It's kind of uh, interesting. Well, and, it, uh, and it does feel like he's very, you know, like by and large, it's very advanced stats driven, it feels like. You know, like these guys, especially LaRavia and 
and Roddy were both kind of like uh, efficiency marvels, you know. Um, yeah. he, he's, you know, and and it's worked. I mean, it worked with Bain. It worked with Clark. Um, you know, I think Zaire had a, you know, I contributed more than I expected last season. Jury's still out on him and Santi though overall in the last draft. But by and large, I mean, you know, the reason why they're so far ahead of where anyone expected them, the two main reasons are Ja. And the fact that Kleiman has drafted exceptionally well. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so fascinating stuff with the draft. We'll see how that plays out. But I do think it causes a, you know, it could potentially, I should say, cause a ripple effect with what the Grizzlies, how the Grizzlies approach free agency. Um, it starts, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, June 27th. Uh, the league year officially begins, I believe, Thursday evening, Thursday afternoon. That's yeah. when teams are officially allowed to start signing deals with other players. And technically, it's when they're supposed they're they're allowed to start negotiating. But there's yeah, some you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, there's tampering going. On. I'm going to get to that in a second with you. But I wanted to first start. What what's your um, how would you describe the free agency outlook for the Grizzlies? Do they is this going to be pretty quiet in your mind, and that they just you know, bring back Tyus maybe and stand pat by and large? Um, or is this another, you know, like draft night, maybe not some huge move, but, you know, or maybe is there a huge move? Is the Durant stuff real to you that, that the Grizzlies need to consider it potentially? Um, or is this just kind of, you know, they make moves, they don't stand pat. It's not a seismic move, but they definitely – alter you know a couple spots on this roster through free agency how, how would you describe the outlook in your mind as you survey it here 72 hours or so out yeah so what i think will happen is you know they'll head on just a couple you know just building blocks you know to help them get closer to the where they want to be we're talking maybe a veteran wing who can play defense who can shoot the basketball and you know, the backup point guard role, you know, re-sign Tyus or add maybe one of the guys that I just mentioned or another player in that um, former fashion. And I, and and maybe, you know, they might address big, get one of those big men or a lot of good uh, big men out there as well uh, who can play a backup role. But I, I don't think they'll do too much. But I will add this. Not doing, you know, what I just mentioned keeps the Grizzlies relevant, but this – the thing about this Western Conference, and, and Mark, you know, you hear a lot of times when, when teams, young teams like the Grizzlies lose, people always say, oh, they'll be back, they'll be back, they'll be back. But a lot of times those teams never come back. Uh, 2011 OKC is the best example. Everyone just assumed, oh, that team will be back in the finals. There's, you know, it's their first crack at it. And they never, they never came back. They, they got to the Western Conference Finals a couple times, but they never got that chance in the NBA Finals again. So with that being said, um, I'm saying that to say, at the end of the day, the Western Conference is kind of like an arms race in a way. You know, uh, the Mavs just got Christian Wood. I think that was a big move. Uh, this Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving stuff, you have to watch it really closely because this could impact teams in the Western Conference, which it most likely will. We're, I mean, we're seeing all the... You know, Kyrie Irving, you know, potentially oh, you know, as, as some guy. Lillard's putting Instagram posts up. Yeah. Durant, and, and there's talk yeah. of Phoenix that could, could potentially be in the mix if Kevin exactly. Durant's available. And the Grizzlies, and from the Grizzlies. offshore betting, had the second best odds to land Kevin Durant. 
Yeah, and and I was looking at some of those. You know, like what do you think it take? It'll take for the. Can grit? I tell you my deal? So here's we were talking yeah. about this on my radio show, and I think it's really interesting because, to me, you're gonna have to give up Desmond Bain at least. I, think I actually that's think the, the, that's the starting. I actually think the like my fear for the Grizzlies is that the Nets are going to also ask for Jaron Jackson Jr. And then I don't know if it makes as much sense for the Grizzlies. But, like, to me, I put the, you know, if you want to match salaries, it's Bain, Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, and then you're telling you're telling Brooklyn, like, hey, we've picked six rookies over the last two years. Pick <laughs> one or two of them, whichever one you like the most, whether it's Zaire or one of the two this year, or Santi. You know, if they want, if they want Laravia and Zaire, I'd still do it. And then I had, then you're throwing in like probably two or three first round picks. So yeah. Bain, Dylan Brooks, Stephen Adams, um, two of the rookie, two of the young guys, one or two of the young guys, and then some picks. And that still that leaves you with the nucleus of Ja, Jaron, Kevin Durant. Brandon Clark, um, you know, whether it's, you know, one of the rookies that you, whether it's David Roddy or LaRavia or someone like that, um, John Conchar, Killian Tilly, um, and also, oh, by the way, $20 million in cap space still, by and large, to work with for this season. I like your package. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different. Direction. But I don't think that's enough. I'm gonna be honest. I think the Nets get a better offer than that. Yeah, if if they're, I mean, it's 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 not a, too many because no one has cap space right now. You know, I mean, the Grizzlies have, you know, estimated somewhere around 20 million or so. Then, but you know, the draft picks will come into play, and that number will go down even more. But I no, think, I think it is with the draft picks. If they stand mm-hmm. pat, they'll have. Or if they if they just. Don't re-sign Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones and sign their first-round picks. I believe it's like right around twenty million dollars that they yeah. have available because the reporting, updated reporting, they got Danny Green back in that deal for yep. DeAnthony Melton, but all indications are that he will be released. Uh, it's you know here in the next few days, but only six or seven million, according to Bobby Marks, of his contract, his ten million-dollar contract, is guaranteed. So it's yep. it's around twenty million that the Grizzlies could. If they want to have twenty million to play with, they'll have twenty. They can have twenty million to play with. Right, which which will lead me to believe you don't have to to match the contracts as much. Mm, yeah, because you can play into that cap space, which I think you know could save some of those guys. Like you may not, you know, I don't I don't see why the Nets would want Stephen Adams. I mean, the contract is nice, but I feel like Desmond Bain and maybe Brandon Clark are a good starting point. And yeah. then, and you possibly, you know, because if I'm the Grizzlies personally, if I'm getting, uh, if I'm getting Kevin Durant back, I probably want to keep Dylan, being that you're gonna need that defensive wing, uh, to play alongside of Ja and KD and 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 Jaron Jackson Jr. I think that'll make Dylan even more valuable. And, and having uh, Stephen Adams helps Jaron. 
Exactly. So so that that would be my starting package. Then, of course, like you said, maybe throw in Zaire Williams. So you give up three really uh, nice pieces in Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams and, and some picks. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned there are, there are a couple other teams who are at the top of that list as well. Uh, I, I don't remember the bet, the bet online off the top of my head, but. Um, you you mentioned the Suns. Uh, I the believe Suns. the Heat. The Heat were yep, technically the, heat, the favorite. Yep, the Heat. And of course, the Heat. I mean, Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson. Uh, you know, whatever they want to do with Bam, they have they have a nice young nucleus there where they can throw some really um some nice guys. Would you do? Would you go for it though? Like, if you're the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. are you right now? Are you tampering? with Kevin Durant and being like, hey, man, would you be, like, gauging his interest? Because, like, ultimately, with this whole Kyrie deal, let's say Kyrie opts out and goes to the Lakers, not only, obviously, Durant probably wants a trade, but, you you know, it's not just the Nets agreeing to trade Durant. With a player like him, you got to get him to be on board with coming to you. If you're the Grizzlies, are you taking some of those behind-the-scenes steps right now to, like, gauge, just gauge whether it's even real, like, even if he's... Are you gauging whether he'd be even interested in coming to Memphis at this point? Without a doubt. I mean, so here's here's the thing. I see a lot of people saying, oh, we don't want to break up our, you know, young core. and think. First of all, Mark, let's be honest. You go through the top 10 teams in the Western Conference right now. Not eight of those teams have a pretty good young core. The Pelicans, I mean, look at the Pelicans' young core. Pelicans have a really nice young core. That is. That young core stuff is is so. You have two of the top ten players in the NBA right now. Exactly. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. may be like you know one of the five, one of the two or three best defensive players in the NBA this past exactly. season. You you if you get that opportunity, you take it ten times out of ten. Like you you that young core stuff is so overblown because you just look around the Western. I mean, Oklahoma City is going to have one of the better young cores in probably two years. Like I'm I'm going for it if I'm if he's available. I don't know if the Grizzlies have enough ultimately, but I, mm-hmm. personally, and I'm not obviously running the team. Zach Kleiman's doing a fine job, NBA Executive of the Year, but I would go for the Durant thing. I would just do it. I, would I agree. It. And, and as I mean, long as he's not, you know, as long as I don't have to give up both Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. And even right. that, I'd have to think long and hard about it. I, I don't know if I'd pull the trigger then, but if I if I'm just getting giving up one. Even if it's just Jaron, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I can see that. I, I definitely don't think um, you part ways with both of those guys, though, if, if it comes to that. But, but yeah, I think a starting package, you know, Desmond Bain would have to be your, you know, your big piece in that. You, in that. You, oh, go ahead. And then, you know, I think Brandon Clark is a nice, you know, big man that you can put in. And then uh, throw in a young player like you mentioned, like a LaRavia, David Roddy, and all those guys. And, but my main thing is the reason I think you go for it is because you just got two first round picks this year. I mean, you had four four picks this year. Uh, you have the young guys that you drafted last year. I mean, they have young players. They have a pretty young team. So it's not like the the roster is just going to become bare all of a sudden. But but uh, yeah, I think Ja, Katie, and Jaron is is plenty enough. Plus, you keep possibly LaRavia and Roddy, you know, to, to build around as well. I think you have something nice. So that's obviously the, you know, let's just be honest. There's not the, the chances of that happening still feel, I don't know if, I guess remote is probably too, like it's, it's better than remote, 
but it's also I still don't feel like there's a good chance that happens. Um, that Dur- Kevin Durant is a Mem- is part of the Memphis Grizzlies starting next season. Um, how how do you think we could just see like if you had to guess today, could we just see a scenario where Tyus Jones comes back on like a two year twenty five million dollar contract and they kind of by and large you know pocket that cap space for now? I mean, I, I can definitely see that. And and it'll all depend on Tyus's market because Cause they got, they what got I, a full roster even right now without Tyus and Kyle. Yeah. He's drafted. Right. Right. And and the thing about Tyus is I can definitely see his market shrinking right now, like as we speak, because Kyrie Irving, if he becomes a trade candidate, uh John Wall, if he gets bought out, those are two guys. That that you can make an argument that out of you think you think John Wall is more attractive than Tyus at this point? I think so. I don't think he played. Yeah, I don't think he played bad in Houston. Uh, I think he just had you know got a lot of opportunity. And I mean, John Wall, you know, he's a he's a proven player. You know, and the speed. I mean, look at his workout videos and stuff. He he still looks like he has you know at least a lot of it. and now, watched I mean, lot, I've watched a lot of John Wall as a yeah. Wizards fan. And let me tell you, when he was 22, 23, I remember going, man, I don't want to be a part of 30 year old John Wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, no, it is an interesting market for Tyus. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's quite what everyone figured. Yeah, it there's was. not a lot of salary cap space out there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating stuff. I, I'd like to see the Grizzlies add – I mean, they got to add some more veterans to this team, whether it's just Tyus or it's someone else. Like, they, uh, frankly, because they traded DeAnthony, and, I, and I, I agree with the logic of trading DeAnthony in that, like, three years in a row when it mattered most, he could not deliver. He just mm-hmm. couldn't. Um, and – but you st- you do need, I think, like that microwave guy off the bench. You just need a better, a more consistent version. A guy who you can, tr- maybe not even a more consistent version during the regular season. Because, you know, D'Anthony Melton's so useful with everything else he does. But mm-hmm. in a playoff series, you need shot makers out there. Especially around John Moran. And I yeah, would yeah. like to see them add some kind of veteran shot maker on the perimeter. Like, I think their ideal, like person for that spot Tyus had like Tyus is good like I don't think that would be a bad move to re-sign him mm-hmm. he had a great year and he showed in that Timberwolves series how crucial he can be in a playoff series um but I'd like to see them go more of a combo guard route someone who can like the ideal DeAnthony Melton like DeAnthony Melton would have been a good fit if he could have been this team's backup point guard but he yeah, showed yeah. over the past couple years He's not. He he can't do that. If you if you need like someone who can assume like a few minutes a game of backup point guard duties, and Desmond Bain actually did a serviceable job of that yeah. last year. Yeah. And so if you get someone like that, combine them with Bain, um, you know, then maybe you can get more of a scoring bigger option. Someone who's more ideal to play alongside John Morant. Like my problem with Tyus is ultimately like. They made it work last year, and especially in the Timberwolves series. But I don't think it's ideal to have Tyus Jones and John Morant out there at the same time as a backcourt. 
I'd like to see them find another option who can pair with Ja a little better size-wise and defensively. Yeah. So how, how about this name? Uh, this is he isn't a free agent, but he's been one mentioned in trade rumors. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. What do, what do you think about him? I mean, personally, I, I I like his size, and you know, there's the injury questions with him. But... I like him. Is he a good enough shooter to have next to Ja? I don't know. He had a, he had a 50, 40, 90 season. So yeah, I mean, I don't. I would. I'd rather have a shorter term contract. Is the one mm-hmm. thing with him. He's got a pretty big contract. Yeah. Like the guy I'm really interested in. If I was the Grizzlies, I know he's a little older. But like I'd be going, I'd be, I'd be doing everything I can to try and get Eric Gordon. That's who I want with this team. I think he'd be the perfect six man off the bench for this team. Okay, yeah, I, and I can, I can see Eric Gordon. I think Eric Gordon has two more years left on his deal. No, it's an expiring. Well, it's an expiring contract. Yeah, yeah, but um, Brogdon has one year left as well. Oh, so. He only has one year left. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so I think both of those guys. I, I mean, I, I'd be happy if they got Brogdon. I don't know yeah. if, you know. Um, I think defensively he offers a little bit. Eric Gordon, like you talk about offensive firepower, he would he would be a big lift uh, in that regard. Oh, you're right. Gordon's contract guarantees if he plays 500 minutes in the regular season. So um, mm-hmm. if he – or if he makes the all-star team. Um, but if he's any good, he'll, he'll reach the 500-minute mark. Yeah. Uh, if he even plays like half the year. Um, right. So – you're right. That's two years. So I mean, Brogdon could work. Um, I, I like Malcolm Brogdon. I covered him in college. Um, he's a, and he he is that guy. He can play point guard. You can play him with Ja. Um, I, I, it wouldn't be the worst deal. Wouldn't be the worst deal. Play. He's a good defender. Yeah, he does have the injury issues. A good good locker room guy. Um, so. It's going to be interesting. They could go a number of different directions. Right, this, could, right. this could be there's the there's the KD example of this could be huge. Maybe this is the moment they cash in their chips. I think that's probably the least likely, but it's not as far fetched as maybe we thought a few weeks ago. There's the option on the opposite spectrum where they kind of you know mostly stand pat, bring Tyus back, maybe wait to see what the market is for maybe add you know, someone on a flyer on a one-year deal for cheap, right. you yeah. know, um, nothing major there. And then there's also the, the kind of in between they, they, you know, make another trade, um, or, uh, you know, tie a sign somewhere else. They execute a sign and trade, and then they use this 20 million in cap space to go get someone interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different options at play here for, for the Grizzlies. So, I don't know. I my gut tells me it's going to be. I lean more towards boring than than you know something that's going to be not necessarily boring, more like towards less fireworks, if you will, yeah. than more. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, you can't. You know, they've left themselves with a lot of options, which I, I you know, ultimately that's not not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and that's I mean that's the position this team is in right now. At the end of the day, we're over here talking about all these different types of options because they'll put themselves in a position to be able to, you know, they have cap space, they have young uh, assets that teams would like to have. And, you know, they're in a position to win. So they can play this in a multitude of ways and, and really come out successful in the end. But I think the most important thing is, is the one that I just mentioned is 
it's not. I mean, of course, all these teams want to focus on themselves. But what's going on around the Grizzlies in the Western Conference is really going to be something to watch, too, because you're going to have the teams who, like the Grizzlies, finish near the top and probably are going to just run it back. But you're going to have those teams who are going to get injured players back, like the Nuggets, the Clippers. Then you're going to have those young emerging teams uh, as well who are probably going to try to get a couple of these superstars. Then you're going to have a team like the Lakers who probably aren't done, you know, just yet. So the Western Conference, man, it, it, it never gets boring. Will be very interesting to see how this all plays out. DeMichael and I will have plenty of coverage over at commercialappeal.com of everything that comes next for the Grizzlies here as free agency opens in a few days. Be sure to check it out. Uh, check it out every day. As DeMichael said earlier, he's got a piece coming up soon. Um, so, uh, yeah, lots more to come this offseason for the Memphis Grizzlies. It's, you know, this is that moment, you know. It's different now, you know. Now you're trying to get over the hump, um, you know, because what 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 became clear during these NBA playoffs and this championship run for the Warriors is that, you know, the Grizzlies were not that far off um, from being right there in the mix. Maybe this is the off season that puts them uh, over the edge. To Michael, any final thoughts? No, that's it. Um, I mean, we just hit on pretty much all of it. It's going to be a fun ride, I think. The next time we talk, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what just where this team will be in terms of standing. Either they're going to be right where they are and, and, you know, pick up where they left off, or we're going to be talking about, you know, just the movement around the West and how that impacts the Grizzlies. Absolutely. All right, till next time, I was Mark. That was DeMichael. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of free agency. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.